I'm Chip Granditz. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. Coming up, yes, you can help show the world just how much biodiversity we have here in Boulder County. Take part in the 2018 City Nature Challenge. Grab your camera, start in your own backyard, and hit the trail as a citizen scientist, snapping photos of as many different species as you can. The kickoff for the City Nature Challenge is this Friday, April 27th. This morning, we will speak with David Sutherland, naturalist for the City of Boulder, Parks and Open Space, and Melanie Hill, Director of Communications with the Wild Foundation, about the City Nature Challenge, where 65 cities throughout the world will compete to identify as many species as possible. But first, we begin with a look at some of the upcoming events in local science. Head on down to the Denver Museum of Nature and Science this Wednesday, April 25th, to learn about the archaeology of beer. While the stereotype of classic history typically presents wine as the beverage of choice, the archaeological evidence shows that beer, originating in Egypt and the Middle East in the Bronze Age, was a core of diet and nutrition, and its use spread with the dominion of the Greeks and the Romans. Join John Travis Ripp, instructor of classics at the University of Colorado Boulder and R&D development manager for Avery Brewing Company, as he explores the origins of beer production and its expansion through the Mediterranean world. Rip will also highlight Ales of Antiquity, a series of beers based on ancient brewing evidence from Egyptians to Peruvians that he created as beer archaeologist at Avery. The talk takes place at the Denver Museum of Nature and Science this Wednesday, April 25th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets can be purchased in advance from the website of the Denver Museum of Nature and Science. On Thursday, April 26th, Lichens for Everyone. This is the title of a tour with Dr. Aaron Tripp around the CU Boulder main campus, followed by a brief Q&A at the CU Museum of Natural History. Starting at 5.30, Dr. Aaron Tripp, curator for the museum, will lead a meandering tour through the CU main campus to observe different lichen growth forms, substrates, and means of reproduction. Learn about common species on boulder rock walls as well. End up at the CU Museum of Natural History, where Dr. Tripp, an assistant professor of ecological and evolutionary biology, will answer questions about lichens and present a brief show summarizing current knowledge of lichen biodiversity in North America. No prior experience or expertise is assumed. Lichens are for everyone. That's this Thursday, April 26th. The tour is free and open to the public. Meet at the south entrance of the CU Museum of Natural History at 15th and Broadway at 5.30 p.m. Also on the science calendar, tomorrow, April 25th, Denver's Café Scientifique will host a presentation titled Rethinking Plate Tectonics and Why We Should Care. The speaker is Dr. Quinton Hennig, President and Chairman of Novo Research Corporation, Novo Resources Corporation. Dr. Hennig will talk about tectonics, the field of geologic study that examines the processes that control the structure and properties of the Earth's crust and its evolution through time. In the theory of plate tectonics, the Earth 
crust, or lithosphere, behaves as a single layer divided into separate plates that move about on an upper mantle that convects in response to continuous heat loss from the Earth's interior. However, evidence is mounting that this model is too simplistic. Dr. Henning will discuss if a more comprehensive tectonic model can better explain recent observations. Everyone is welcome to these Cafe Sci presentations and discussions, which take place at the Blake Street Tavern in Denver, close to Coors Field. The talk starts at 6.30 tomorrow, Wednesday night, and ends up around 8 p.m. Come before 6 p.m. to leave yourself time to get something to eat. Sixty-five cities from around the world will compete in this year's City Nature Challenge to see which city has the most nature. Last year, 4,000 citizen scientists observed 8,500 species and recorded 126,000 observations. If you are an enthusiastic amateur naturalist or perhaps an aspiring one, this may be the ideal event for you. To find out what it is all about and how to participate, with us in the studio, we have a couple members of the Wild Boulder team. David Sutherland, naturalist for the City of Boulder Parks and Open Space, and Melanie Hell, Director of Communications for the Wild Foundation. Both of you, welcome to How on Earth. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So as I understand, this uh, Boulder City Nature Challenge is organized by the Wild Boulder team, uh, a collaborative effort, I guess, between the City of Boulder, Boulder County, and the Wild Foundation. So first tell me a little bit about how this team came to be. Melanie, do you want to start? Of course. So that's that's the team here in Boulder. Overall, for the larger City Nature Challenge, it's organized by the California Academy of the Sciences and the LA County uh, Natural Hist History Museum. So we started this project. We just launched it last April, actually. Uh, we had an E-Town event that launched the program, and it was initially started on iNaturalist by Boulder County. And so they started that wanting to engage local citizens in the area and um, also document wildlife. So our, our project specifically focuses on wildlife species in Boulder County. And then last year, a uh, year and a half ago, the city and uh, the Wild Foundation came in and wanted to get involved and start some type, of, some type of citizen science initiative. So we started to team up and put our heads together and see how we could relaunch this program and uh, engage more citizens. Excellent. Uh David Sutherland, tell us a little bit about what, what is this challenge? So the idea is that we're using the iNaturalist platform. It's a citizen science platform created by the California Academy of Sciences where citizens like, like anybody listening to this right now can document um, wildlife sightings 
and uh, you can document them with a, a special app you can get on your cell phone or with a camera and then upload the pictures to the iNaturalist platform. Even if you don't know what they are, you can upload them and there are naturalists all over the world who are watching these postings as they come in from regular citizens will help you identify them. So if you see some sort of weird bird at your feeder, you don't know what it is, snap a picture with your cell phone, post it to the iNaturalist platform and somebody somewhere will look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's a, a yellow-tufted snark flogger or something like that, you know. Um, and so it's a great way to get people engaged in paying attention to nature around them and photo documenting it. But once the photographs are uploaded, they become part of an international data set that scientists all over the world can use and access. So it's really interesting for a citizen to get onto the iNaturalist page and start poking around. You know, people are doing this in Africa. They're doing it in Costa Rica. They're doing it in Scandinavia. They're doing it out in um, in China or in islands in the South Pacific. And you can see what kind of plants and animals people are, are spotting and finding and uploading. And so... How long has this challenge been around for? Um, the City Nature Challenge has been around. Is it, Melanie, was it active last year? I think this is the second year they've done it. This is the third, third year, year. And I think last year they only had about 16, 17 cities. So now we're really expanding with, you know, over 60 cities internationally. And I think this is the first year it's actually a global challenge. So we're really excited to show off the biodiversity we have here in Boulder County. Boulder is a biodiversity hotspot. We have an enormous uh, range of birds. We we have, I think, the fourth highest biodiversity of butterfly species in the United States. Um, the highest, uh, highest measured level of breeding birds is right here in Boulder County. Um, so this is a great place for us to do the challenge. And um, I expect that uh, Boulder can probably win. I think we can win this. I would Certainly think we so. want to beat Denver. Oh, we definitely want to beat Denver. <laughs> <laughs> and so what is the nature competition? It's about uh, quantity of observations made and quantity of species identified? Yeah. So it's, it's number of observations. They're looking for three different things with the overall city nature challenge. Who can come up with the most observations, so just quantity, um, who can identify the most species in their region, and then also who can engage, engage the most citizens. So really focusing on that engagement is going to be what we're also interested in. We want people to really take interest in um, this entire challenge and make it a longer term engagement process as well. And one of the things that's going to make this um, a little bit easier for people is that unlike the Wild Boulder Project, which just focuses on wildlife, the City Nature Challenges focus um, really pretty much anything alive and wild. So fungi, plants, wildflowers that are blooming at this time of year, as well as um, insects, uh, invertebrates, mammals, birds, all of it. If, if it's something that's alive, it qualifies. And... So uh, I understand that it's not, however, just uh, the Wild Boulder, that team, but I, I guess you have a couple partners helping you put this on this year. You want to tell me about that? We do. So we have some other partnering organizations with the City Nature Challenge this year, and it's, it's a four-day bio blitz. So throughout those four days... Um, we're going to be working with, actually just tomorrow, the CU Museum of Natural History. We're going to be talking to um, some of the students in the bio lounge and just letting them know about iNaturalist. And they're going to help us promote it and get some of the um, students and faculty engaged. We're also working with a butterfly pavilion and Louisville Open Space. They're going to be putting on their own event. We really wanted to encourage some of our partnering groups and just, you know, groups that had a, a like-minded process to get engaged and to... Um, you know, start up their own um, events. So additionally, we have the Boulder County Wild Riders. Uh, who else do we have, Dave? 
um, who's helping to lead these programs. Uh, Boulder County Parks and Open Space is doing one. Um, I'm leading three different programs through the city, uh, open space and mountain parks, that anybody in the public is welcome to come on. A little bit later, I'll um, give some information about how people can find out about those and some of the other activities going on. Yeah, I think that that mostly covers it for the events. And then at our kickoff event, which is going to be this Friday, April 27th, from 4 to 7 p.m. at Foothills Community Park, we have some other groups that are going to be partnering with us, like Colorado Parks and Open Space, uh, the Compañeras. We have the Reality Garage that's going to mm-hmm. be there with some virtual reality headsets. Um, Wild Bear Science School will be there. Wild Bear and yeah, we've got a few others. We should tell them a little bit about that event. That's going to be really fun. We're going to have an 80s cover band and food trucks. There's going to be face painting and activities. I'm going to be leading some short little hikes onto the adjacent open space just to show people how they can use their phones and cameras to document species for iNaturalist. And we can actually post some stuff right into the project right then and there. And that's at the uh, Foothills Community Park, you said? Yes. Friday? Friday, 4 to 7. Four to seven, open to everyone. It's open to everyone. It's mm-hmm. going to be a hoot. And so let's say that you have uh, encouraged some aspiring naturalists out there in our listening audience. What do they need to know if they want to be really competitive in this event? Uh, I assume that to start with simply uh, a smartphone, and this is something that the iNaturalist is an application that you would load onto the smartphone? Correct. Yeah. So there's a couple ways they could go about doing this. Really, you just need something to take pictures with, whether it be a smartphone or a DSLR camera or a point and shoot camera. It could be anything. Um, You would download the iNaturalist app on your smartphone and you can take pictures right through then and there. And you can um, add a few points of um, information on there. So it would be the Species identification, the location, the date, any relevant notes, things like that um, are going to be really useful just to help us understand what the observation was. And so we can help if they're not sure what the species exactly is. Um, A lot of our naturalists also like to take pictures on their nice cameras and upload those. You can also get involved through a desktop. So you can just log in, join the project on there, and then you can add your um, nicer photographs through the desktop. And it's a little bit easier on there as well. And, you know, we're always happy to provide assistance for people who are interested in it. But really, you just need some time to be outside and just looking around so you can make some observations. The smartphone app is definitely the most convenient because you can snap a picture with the phone and then immediately post it straight to the iNaturalist website using the app. And um, we've seen some people using some little strap-on macro and telephoto lenses that you can put over the lens of a smartphone. I personally prefer to shoot them with a, with a camera and then up upload the pictures directly to the iNaturalist site because I can get much better quality pictures with a with a camera rather than with a smartphone. But it's all good. That's something interesting you mentioned, uh, the macro lens. Um, one of the things I, I think I remember from my biology class is that when it, we talk about uh, the diversity of species, uh, perhaps maybe not the most fascinating to the average individual, but in absolute numbers, it's the insects. Um, And so it seems to me if you really wanted to knock off a bunch of different species, you might focus your attention on, on insects and how is the technology for being able to take pictures of things that close and that small? 
Yeah, so definitely having some type of a macro lens is great. You want to get up close. If you have something that has a little zoom on it, that's really great as well. Um, like Dave said, for these little clip-on lenses for smartphones, that's the easiest way to do it. And you can get them just for a few bucks on Amazon. Um, there's some great brands out there. Aki, I think, is one of them. And you just put it over the smartphone lens, and it allows you to get a little bit closer. You get a bit of a wider angle for some of them as well. Um, but you want to have some patience. <laughs> that's always the challenging part is being able to get that nice, clear picture and get it all in focus and up close. Um, so macro lenses are just really great for that and also having the zoom available as well. The macros are really great, too, for taking pictures of wildflowers. And I personally am going to go to Dr. Aaron Tripp's lichen pl presentation mm -hmm. at the CU Museum with my camera, and I'm going to document a bunch of lichens to stick into the Boulder, Boulder City Nature Challenge webpage. Awesome. Dave, you mentioned that uh, this area is a hot spot of biodiversity. Uh, you're uh, a naturalist with the City of Boulder Parks and Open Space. Tell us, what is the biome here in Boulder Valley uh, and what kind of species that means we would expect to uh, find? Part of what makes Boulder such an exciting place for a biologist is that we, we're not actually one major biome, we're two. Boulder is located right at the cusp where the Great Plains biome, the prairies, the great North American central steppe runs smack into the Rocky Mountains. And so we have all these eastern prairie Great Plains species rubbing shoulders with all of these Rocky Mountain western species. Um, and so that right there it makes for enormous species richness. In addition to that, we have representatives of the flora and fauna from the Chihuahuan Desert and um, some stuff that connects all the way to Central Asia over the Bering Land Bridge. Um, because we've got the fastest rise from the Great Plains up to the Continental Divide pretty much anywhere we have uh, in Boulder County alone, we have so many life zones crammed into a very, very narrow distribution. Um, it's uh, just a terrifically diverse place. We've got more mammal species in Boulder County than in all of Kansas and that's just in Boulder County. And the interesting thing, though, is I think some of the, especially with the plant life and the trees that people see in our urban areas, are not necessarily native to Boulder. Is there something in the rules that we're trying to get people to identify native species? Because a lot of the trees that we see here in Boulder or in Louisville or Lafayette uh, are not indigenous and were planted there. I think as far as iNaturalist goes, we're interested in documenting pretty much everything that's out there, and documenting non-native species and the presence of non-native species here is useful to scientists as well. You know, for example, if you take a picture of a starling at your bird feeder, or you take a, a picture of a dandelion, these are non-native plants, but those become data points that some scientists somewhere may use to do a study about distribution of starlings, uh, seasonal distribution of dandelions. It may be useful since the photo have a date attached to them to see what kind of flower was blooming at what kind of time here in Boulder. It's all useful data. Um, the, generally, the iNaturalist isn't looking for cultivated species, so they'd rather you not go out in your garden and snap pictures of marigolds and snap a picture of your dog and snap a picture of your kid playing in a swing and list it as a homo sapiens. We'd rather <laughs> people not do that. But um, So we're looking for, for wild organisms. But uh, beyond that, no, it's just totally fine to document non-native species here, too. It's all data. And how well known do you think the biodiversity here is in, in Boulder County? Do you think there's any reasonable possibility that some fortunate aspiring naturalist could identify a new species? 
Um, that, at this point, isn't all that likely. Uh, we've had a university here since 1876 with biologists pretty much combing the whole area, so identifying a brand new species. Um, but actually, I should back up and say Dr. Aaron Tripp, the lichenologist from CU, identified a couple new species of lichens that were brand new to science out of the White Rocks Nature Preserve a couple years ago. So I should probably eat my words. It is <laughs> quite possible to find new species around here. And uh, tell us a little bit about what the Wild Foundation is, Melanie. I understand that it's one of the partners in in Team uh, Wild. Um, What is your mission? Uh, And one particular question I want you to address is when I did a little bit of background on you, I noticed that uh, there was this saying, nature needs half. Tell us where that saying comes from and what it means. Sure. So starting with Wild in general, you know, we were founded in 1974 by a man named Ian Player, who is historically known for saving the white rhino from the brink of extinction. And, you know, from there, we've been in Boulder for the past 10 years or so, and we work internationally still to protect and connect wilderness, wildlife, and people. So really making sure it's this well-rounded mission where we're including all aspects of the world here. Um, And we have programs everywhere. You know, we've got uh, the Mali Elephant Project, where we work with local communities to protect um, one of the last remaining desert elephant herds in West Africa. And it's this remarkable project where it started in conflict with these local communities who were just trying to survive and live on the land. And elephants would come in and there would be conflict. But now um, they've become these incredible protectors and they're working together with the government to protect the species. Um, And we've got... Um, our um, International Journal of Wilderness. So we work a lot on publications, too, and just talk about different wilderness issues that are happening throughout the world. And then right here in Boulder, we're working interna- We're working locally to um, partner with other people and just engage local citizens. And a lot of what we do is really connecting people to nature. And we feel like that's really important. In order to protect nature, we need to connect people to it and make sure they become those active stewards. And then so, Melanie, yeah, tell us about the, the saying, nature needs half. Where does that come from? So that's that's a vision that we have where we can protect and connect at least half of the lands, land and water, um, you know, set aside for nature. And that's a really important vision for us um, because we, we need to set aside that land so that all species, including humans, can thrive. And that's what, you know, is according to science. And we have another um, biologist that's been working on a similar vision, E.O. Wilson, who has the half or fit, half earth vision and um, just calling for that protection of nature. Yeah, can, he, can I add something to that? Uh, please, this is Dave Sutherland. Yeah. Um, so what I'd like to add to that is this isn't just about saving, you know, esoteric species. It's not about saving some sort of a, a snail. It's about saving the human species as well. Uh, because we as a species are intimately tied to the well-being of other species on earth and the environment isn't something in a distant place. The environment's where we live. It's where we live every day. It's the air we breathe. It's the water we drink. And being able to set half of that aside so that we can share that environment with other living things is probably essential for our survival as a species as well. We are connected. And that's what this movement recognizes. Absolutely. It's about, you know, also protecting those life-supporting systems that we all thrive on. So it's it's a crucial vision. um, And people can learn more at natureneedshalf.org. Thank you. And David, uh, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, by the way, we're listening to Melanie Held, a director of communication with Wild Foundation, and David Sutherland, naturalist with City of Boulder Parks and Open Space. Uh, some listeners would think, David, that you've landed a dream job as uh, a naturalist working for a municipality with a demonstrated interest in maintaining its open space and a hotspot of diversity. 
Tell me a little bit about what it is you do in your job when you're not, say, on the air promoting an event like this. I grew up as sort of the quintessential little science geek. I was interested in rocks and flowers and um, insects and bird watching. I had a telescope and learned the night sky, all this kind of stuff. And so I've been able to turn that into a job. And what I do with that information is try to engage the community who owns the open space system because the public owns open space. My job is to make people fall in love with it so that they want to get out and enjoy it and protect it and save it for their distant descendants. Um, I would like to invite people to join us for nature hikes on open space, including some associated with the community nature challenge. If you go to www.naturehikes.org, you can see a list of all of the upcoming programs that I and other naturalists are leading. They're all free. They're all for the public. You can sign up to get into some of the community nature uh, challenge programs that we lead in and go out and look for birds and wildflowers with us. We'll see what we can document. Thank you. Uh, we just have about uh, 30 seconds left. Melanie, do you want to say anything more about the event? The BioBlitz begins this Friday, correct? Absolutely. So the event runs April 27th through 30th. It's a four-day BioBlitz. And at our event, the kickoff event at Foothills, the first 100 people will get free ice cream tickets and a camp mug. And then we also have some prize giveaways for people who have the most observations and identify the most species. So we're looking forward to seeing what people come up with. Good stuff. A couple of real nice Patagonia jackets. Excellent. Well, thank you both for joining us here on How on Earth. Thank you. Thank you. That was David Sutherland, naturalist for the city of Boulder, Parks, Open Space and Parks, and Melanie Hill of the Wild Foundation. The City Nature Challenge again begins this Friday, April 26th, and Wild Boulder is hosting a kickoff event on Friday from 4 to 7 p.m. at Foothills Community Park. And that's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Joel Parker. This week's show was produced and engineered by Chip Granditz. Additional music by additional contributions by Joel Parker. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Leo Kotke. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you could subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Chip Granditz.